What a season it has been for Kyle Larson. He is going to become the first driver ever in the Cup Series to win three road course races in the same season. Kyle Larson through the chicane for the final time. He will win at the Charlotte Roval. Today, guys, I did not uh, not see us winning. We just keep, keep our heads in it all day long. Welcome back to the Full Tank with Phil podcast, the first ever podcast about gambling on NASCAR. And on this week's episode, we are going to recap the Roval. How did our bets do? What did we see on the racetrack? And are there any takeaways that we need to be looking into as we leave Charlotte heading now to the next round of the playoffs? And speaking of the playoffs, we're going to take a quick pause to take a look at the playoff picture. Who advanced? Who stayed behind? And... How's it going to look for the rest of the year? How do they stack up at this moment? And what does that mean to us as the gamblers? So that's how we're going to start the episode. Then it's all about Texas. And we're going to talk about our feelings about Texas, as well as all the picks that we could possibly talk about. Winners, head-to-heads, finishing position, all of the normal stuff that we're going to get to. I got plenty of them, a few that I feel really good about this week. And then at the end, instead of a Phil's Fired Up or a guest segment, We've got more Texas picks. Yeah, that's right. Bonus bets at the end of the podcast. Kind of a hodgepodge of things, but they are adding more and more bets to the sports books, including a little bit of a teaser, one bet that I have been clamoring for for years on this podcast. So a little bit of a tease there. Hold on to your butts. We'll get to that at the end of this episode, among a number of different other bets that are going to be fun to file this weekend. So Let's look back at Charlotte, the Roval. So Larson is your winner. And we called it out on the podcast, so that was a good one here. Kind of an obvious pick other than Chase. You know, we went with the chalk, and it worked out. You know what I mean? I called out the the fact that I've been fading Larson on these road courses all year, and I just can't do it anymore. And I'm thankful that I kind of saw the light there. He snags three road course victories. Who would have saw that coming at the start of the 2021 season? Everyone had their eyes on Chase. But uh, it was Larson who came out victorious with the wins this season on road courses. But to pick on Larson here for a second, I mean, that performance that we saw on Sunday is championship quality performance. I mean, that is a team that is hell-bent on winning a championship. They had a issue, a mechanical issue, on the race car, and they were pretty much done. I mean, they were 10 points to the bad when that happened. And they could have packed it in and said, wow, you know, in great season, a lot of wins, but, you know, we missed out on this playoff format. It kills us. And even with all the bonus points that they acquired over the the course of the season, they were still 10 points to the bad. So they, you know, rallied. And it was crazy to see their ups and downs throughout the race. I mean, if you look at the chart of where he was on the racetrack at certain points in times, it was crazy. And sure enough, they got it rectified. Got back on the track, started hunting people down, and ends up in victory lane. A lot of other things happened to kind of make that a possibility, but sometimes you need luck on your side, and Larson's car was good. Good enough for the victory and the plus 450 cash in for anyone listening to this podcast last week. So happy about it, and the competition should be just straight up scared about this five car because, as we'll talk about, 
we're going to a lot of tracks here that look good for him. So uh, this championship kind of goes through the five team at this point from what we just saw. It's pretty crazy. We called out Chase to win. Obviously, he had his ups and downs. We're going to talk about him in a second. And then I got a few DMs on Sunday about Kurt Busch. He was our long shot pick, plus 2,800. And he was leading the race at one point. Looked very strong, running quality top fives. Um, and then he had his screw up, I guess you could say, where he got knocked out of the way. And that was kind of it for that long shot as far as the chances were concerned. And the top five bet that we liked there as well. So uh, that one kind of hurt. But overall, it was still a good race. I mean, we had Jones in the top 20. He ran top 15, top 20 all day. So that was a, an easy hit there. We went two and one on the head to head section. The only one that killed us was one that I was actually counting my money early on that parlay. That's uh, something you never do in gambling. You never count your money before the, the game or the race is over. And I was uh, because we had Denny against Byron. And when Byron spun out, I was, you know, doing fist pumps in the living room and, and high fiving the dog uh, because everything was in place. And then somehow, some way, the cameras weren't on him or anything, but Brad Kozlowski kind of rallied through from 26th to 20th, where he finished, and he ended up beating Chase Briscoe to, to screw up the, the parlay. Uh, but we still went 2-1 and one on the head-to-heads. And then Chris Buescher, um, I mean, he was a guy who we called out. He absolutely shined on Sunday. Great for that team. They looked phenomenal, and I was happy to be all over Chris Buescher on that one. And we had a race day parlay that just missed as well. So four and two on the day as far as head to heads. Um, not too shabby for betting them individually as well, like I usually do. Uh, as far as the takeaways, I mean, I thought the race was entertaining. Um, it's what NASCAR wants. You know, we had our ups, we had our downs. Byron and Reddick, we'll start there. I mean, they were looking to upset the party here. Um, Byron was somebody that I was not on on that race at all. I didn't have anything on him. Obviously, in the head-to-heads, I was against him. And he was looking fantastic. So, from a NASCAR perspective, like just as a fan, really a shame that 24 car couldn't put the, the car in victory lane because they were set up for success in this next round. And that car was great. And he got into it with Tyler Reddick. Um, he had a, an issue where he had to do a stop and start, and, you know, that sucked for them, but he still managed to get back in the picture, and I think he finished up in the top five. So Byron just showed how strong of a car it was. They got into a little bit on pit lane, but Reddick was very uh, apologetic, so there was no fireworks. Just really disappointing for that 24 car, really, because they were uh, a force, and, uh, you know, I'm happy that it didn't spoil the party and, and cash a ticket that I didn't have. Um, so all in all, very entertaining there between those two. And then obviously the big one, Chase Elliott and Kevin Harvick. What an up and down race for these guys. So we called out on the podcast. I think Derek was on um, at Picks by Blaze. He's our guy. Came on a couple times this year for the full tank faceoff. And I'm pretty sure it was him where we were talking going into Vegas. Um, will there be retribution? You know, will there be some sort of retaliation or payback in some way, shape or form? And I think both of us said it's going to happen going to happen at the road i mean it just sets itself up for that and sure enough we're dead on with that i to be honest with you kind of forgot about it i think some people were in the same boat like i i was not really thinking about that you know anymore and uh all of a sudden harvick i mean he definitely didn't forget about it just speeds up and wrecks him so premeditated that it hurts um just completely uncalled for honestly uh so then you got chase way down and, and looking like he's going to miss the 
next round of the playoffs. Knocked out, season over, that type of thing. Uh, battles his way back. A little bit of controversy there because, in my opinion, they definitely should have thrown that black flag for him with that uh, bumper just flipping in the wind there. But somehow they don't throw it, and then his own debris causes the caution that he needs. I think that's a little sketchy, in my opinion. I think that's pretty you know, suspect of NASCAR to allow that to happen. I would love to hear the behind-the-scenes communication of what was going on there. Was that a determination because it was Chase, or did they really just not want a playoff driver to get black flagged? I don't know. Very, very strange. But for any Chase betters out there, any championship future bets for him, um, they are still alive because he got the caution that he needed, got back on the lead lap, and was able to kind of drive through the field Got up near Harvick. Everybody was waiting for it. And then he happened to get close to him right when they were going into turn one. And Harvick, there's no doubt in my mind, he was looking at his rearview mirror, seeing the nine car coming, and just completely blew the first turn. Just completely biffed it. Went right in head first into that turn and ended his season. So that's instant karma, pretty much, for Harvick. The fans were going wild. So just a very crazy, crazy situation there between those two. Um... Now the, the question is, do you look ahead and you know say, is it officially over? Harvick gave a weird smile when they asked if it was over. I'd have to imagine there's no reason for him to mess with Chase anymore. He got him good. Chase didn't even really touch Harvick in any of this stuff. Um, and But I can't imagine him wanting to kind of punch down at this point since he's in the playoffs and Harvick's not. Why would you poke that bear? But um, in any case, a very interesting race for all of those different reasons. So... Um, looking at the playoff picture, Harvick is out, along with William Byron, who we previously talked about, Alex Bowman, and Christopher Bell. They, you know, really didn't bring much to the table in that race at all. And uh, their season now, well, it's uh, officially over, and it kind of went out like a fart in the wind, pretty much. I mean, they didn't really bring the firepower, I think, that some of us thought that they had in their arsenal. It just didn't... Uh, didn't work out that way. So we move on. Eight drivers make it. Looking at the breakdown by teams, three JGRs, three Penske's. Who would have thought that? I think I might have thought that. Um, I was kind of thinking that they could sneak their way in. And then uh, two Hendrick Motorsports. So the fact of the matter here is nobody is safe. Larson has a 42-point lead. As we saw, that does not matter in the scheme of things through three races. I mean, he could have a, a rough race here and be out of it. Hamlin is the next best guy, and he's only plus seven. So the fact of the matter is anybody could be below the cut line. This is a total open opportunity here for anyone that's below the cut line currently because they're not below by much. I mean, the furthest one back is Brad Kozlowski at minus 16. So uh, the top four, Larson, Hamlin, MTJ, and Ryan Blaney, who's only one point to the good. And then it's Logano, Chase Elliott, Kyle Busch and Brad Keselowski all below the cut line in no particular order there. Um, so, like I said, I mean, anything can happen. And now we're getting into the cookie-cutter country where, you know, you got guys, it's time for them to step up because we've heard critics of this playoff format, I guess, saying, you know, these tracks, it, it's all over the place. you got Talladega and then the Roval with a cutoff, blah, 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 hating on it. Well, now we've got some pretty good racetracks in this round. I mean, as far as being a technical fan of NASCAR, two mile and a half and then Martinsville. Um, tracks that, you know, if you are a strong race team, you should be able to survive and advance. 
Um, so the fact that they're all bunched up is going to make it very interesting. I would see this race at Texas being a little bit more conservative. I think that's what you can kind of count on here heading into Texas because, you know, it's a blank slate now. And we don't want to be the team who's now 40 points to the bad after one race, and now it's pure makeup stuff. Um, you got to really just mind your P's and Q's, hit your marks, and, you know, top 10 and see what happens. So um, that's really, I would think, the mentality for most of these guys heading into it. So no one is safe, and uh, that's going to make it fun to watch for these tracks who might not might not necessarily be that fun as we're going to talk about right now because we're going to look ahead now to texas that's where we're headed first and my first note about texas if it's your home track this is nothing personal but texas is a boring racetrack there's just no getting around it it doesn't matter um whether you're you're from there and and it's your home track and maybe you know like it for that reason hey my hands up you know my quote-unquote home track is pocono people hate pocono um, and I get it, you know what I mean? I'm not going to get defensive about it, uh, but I still love it for whatever reason. So to call a spade a spade here, I mean, the Texas is just not produced good races over the past few years. Very boring. I mean, even the all-star race, which we're not really going to touch on, uh, this episode, but they ran here earlier this year at the all-star race and that was terrible. Just boring, boring, boring. Even the IndyCar races were just snooze fest. So, uh, it doesn't matter what type of circuit you're running here. It's just, they got to do something about it. But uh, that opens itself up to saying gambling is going to make this much more fun for you. So if you're someone who has found this podcast and you've just kind of found it entertaining, but you don't really dip your toe into the gambling world, this is the track to get into it. Go all in because when you have bets down on this track, it keeps it interesting all the way through. So for that, let's take a look at the track stats that we usually hit here. And there have been 40 races in the Cup Series lifetime here for this racetrack. The winner has started on the pole four times. Kevin Harvick was the last one to win from the pole in 2019. The winner starts in the top five, 55% of the time, top 10, 77% of the time. That is pretty normal. That's what we're used to seeing. And then the winner has started outside of the top 20 only six times ever. The last time it happened was last year. Austin Dillon one in the summer race here in 2020. So that's pretty interesting. As far as the manufacturer trends are concerned, uh, Toyota in the last 10 races has five of them. Five wins for Toyota in the last 10. Ford has three. Chevy has two. Uh, And then Harvick, who is no longer in the playoffs, has won three of the last four playoff races at Texas. So that's an interesting wrinkle. You bet your ass we're going to be talking about Kevin Harvick at some point in time in this episode. So those are the the typical track stats that we usually hit on. Now this is a 550 racetrack. So we're going to be calling out the green flag speeds on average for these guys at 550 tracks throughout the 2021 season. That's going to be a good metric that we're using to kind of measure who's good and who's not. Hendrick Motorsports is plus 175, so here's kind of just a pre-bet to get us going here. They are plus 175 to win the race, and I think that that is a pretty good insurance policy because at 550 tracks, I mean, those racetracks so far this year have been Hendrick Country. So you're getting all four of those guys for plus 175. I think that's a pretty good bet. Um, We're going to talk about one guy from each stable. 
that's in the playoffs. So JGR, we got a guy from Hendrick, and we got a guy from Penske that I like, that I want to talk about, call out, and bet on from each one of those. But we got to call out Hendrick because they have been great on the 550 tracks, so that's something to consider. And then I'll also throw out there, I, I ran a, a query here on large oval tracks, so sometimes I'll be calling out those stats, um, looking at the last five large oval tracks and kind of how people stack up. I'm going to use them to kind of call out guys that have a good opportunity here to shine. Um, so I just wanted to lay out all the things that I'm be getting at, and as well, we will be calling out driver rating and average finish, just like always. So that'll be our you know, normal stats that you're going to hear as we break them down. So let's get to it, and we're going to start right where we left off. It's Kyle Larson plus 340 on DraftKings right now to win the race. Now, he just had, in my opinion, a miraculous race. I mean, imagine having being in that race shop this week. The momentum is just through the roof. So... They just have to be on cloud nine about where they were in that race, where they ended up. And now they're in the next round and they're 42 points ahead. So they have to be feeling a bit more comfortable. You know what I mean? And that allows them to really just go out and do your job. Now, I personally think that Kyle Larson and this team have an opportunity here to win three straight races. He's done it once already before and those three races were two 550 tracks and a road course. And that's what we're doing right now in this schedule. We've got, you know, coming off of the road course and then two 550s in a row. So he is definitely primed to clinch his way into the finals right away and then add on to it. The funny thing about Kyle Larson is his Texas numbers are not great. He's got eight starts here in his career, two top fives, two top tens. He finished fifth in 2018, which was his best finish here, 12th, 39th in his last two starts. So not great if you're just looking at track history. His average finish is actually pretty dismal, 20.8 for Kyle Larson. That's not what we're used to seeing. He's got three DNFs in the last top 10, sorry, the last 10 races, uh, and he's not in the top 10 for any of our driver rating or average finish numbers here at Texas that we usually like to call out. I mean, when we're picking winners... I like to call guys out who were in those top 10s for those stats. But 2021 has clearly been a different animal for this five team. He actually won the all-star race for what it's worth. Like I said, we're not going to you know, use that as a pretty big metric. But you know, last time they were in this building, they were the winners of that all-star race. So that's a pretty big deal. And he does dominate the 550s. If you ask me, little dad joke here, but I think Kyle Larson puts the five in the 550 package. I mean, he's just all over it. He's got three wins this year at 550 tracks and two tracks. He definitely should have been the winner. He was by far the best car. That was the Vegas race that we just went to where the crew chief and the kind of Hendrick decision in stage two to pit, they messed that up big time, but Kyle Larson had the best car on the racetrack. And then do we forget about Atlanta where you know, he got run down by Ryan Blaney at the end, but he was the class of the field all day there. So, I mean, he easily could have five wins on these 550 tracks. Uh, green flag speed at those tracks this year. He's obviously first. 
he wouldn't be anything else if I'm jocking him this hard right now. And he's first by a lot. So he's the man to beat. The sports books know this. That's why he's plus 340. I don't want to go against the chalk on this one. I think it makes a lot of sense. And like I said, I think Kyle's going to win three straight. So lock me in for Kyle Larson plus 340. There are certain books out there giving boosts to you know various uh, subscribers or whatever. If you have an opportunity to boost a bet, I would use it on Kyle Larson just to make that a little bit better for you because plus 340 is pretty short, but I think it makes a lot of sense um, as to why he is that number, and still, I would take it. So now we're going to move to the JGR camp, and I could go with Denny Hamlin, and the last time I said that, I went with somebody else and Denny won. So maybe you fade me here and you take Denny, but um, there's somebody else that I wanted to call out here, and it's Kyle Busch. He's plus 700. He's minus 115 to finish in the top five, which is a bet that I very much like. Um, but we want to talk about him winning the race because it's very possible. He is the defending champion of this race. He was the 2020 winner of the playoff race here at Texas. And to be honest, it saved his season. He didn't have a win until that late in the season, kind of like Kevin Harvick right now, actually. Uh, but Kyle Busch, for some reason, there was just so much more attention on it, uh, probably because he's Kyle Busch and he's kind of like the bad guy and everyone likes to see him do bad. Every week, it was asking him, hey, when's it going to happen? When's it going to happen? Uh, finally, it happened to start off the playoffs last year, the 2020 playoff race at Texas. He gets that win, his only win of last year. So that should say something because even when things weren't looking great, he was able to go to Texas and get his victory that year. Looking at his last 10 races, three wins, five top fives, seven top tens. His average finish here is 8.0 in the last 10 races. That's third on the circuit. And last time out of the top 10, if you're looking at his finishes, was the 2018 spring race. So it's been a little while since he finished outside the top 10. That's one of the reasons why I really like that top five bet is because he's in and around that area all the time. His drive rating is 106.0. That's third. And his green flag speed at 2021 550 tracks is also third. So 333, maybe he'll go out and finish third. That top five bet would easily cash if that were the case. Looking at the last five large oval tracks, that's all about this year. He's first in average finish, 3.6, and he's second in drive rating. So that's all great stuff. That's what we're kind of looking for here is, you know, finding reasons why we like certain guys. I mean, obviously Hamlin and Larson, those are the two biggest names right now as far as the playoff picture is concerned and the championship odds. But you got to dig a little bit deeper when you're looking for, you know, different stats and, and reasons why other guys would have a shot at it. Plus 700. I mean, that's what I'm talking about. He's sneaky good. You know what I mean? He's the type of guy where you blink just like that and he is in the finals, the top four or the final four, whatever they call it, the championship four. And it doesn't even seem like he had that great of a year, but boom, all of a sudden Kyle Busch is there and he has an opportunity to win a championship. So wouldn't shock me at all. JGR is two for two so far, uh, winning the first round of the playoffs or first race of the round in the playoffs. They're plus 190 to do that uh, as a team. So that could be a little bet to throw something down if you're against Hendrick this week and you're a JGR fan, maybe that's something to look into, but um I'm going with Kyle Larson plus seven, sorry, Kyle Bush plus 700. Going with both Kyles, actually. Um, and don't forget about the top five bet, minus 115 to finish in the top five. 
Now, the last bet that I'm going to call out, it's a Penske driver, and it's Ryan Blaney plus 900. He's plus 110 to finish in the top five. So if you like that bet, um, I am all over that one. And to be honest, when I'm looking through the stats here this past week, Blaney stood out to me. He kind of ended up being like my favorite bet, especially when I saw the odds were plus 900. I don't know why, but I feel really good about Ryan Blaney this week. And I really try as I'm working my way through the stats and coming out with my picks to try not to absorb what other people are thinking until after the fact, after I get a chance to record. Guys like Jordan Mack, who you had on last week, you know, Speedway Steve and Phil from BetTheProp.com, the guys from the Flag Hunting Pod, uh, Derek from BettingPros.com. I mean, all those guys, they're going to be putting out picks, which is great. But I like to think about who I'm going to go with and then see if people agree with me. You know what I mean? That's what makes it fun. Well, I happen to be scrolling through Twitter and Jordan happened to be retweeting a bunch of different people and their picks and, you know, I kind of absorbed it. But nobody was calling out Ryan Blaney, which kind of made me a little nervous. But I don't know if I'm even more doubled down on that uh, because it just seems like he's kind of flying below the radar. I don't know. Am I off on this? You tell me. But I don't typically think of Ryan Blaney as someone who stands out at Texas. But after digging into it a little bit, I think I am. In his last 10 races, he's three top fives, six top tens. His average finish is 10th on the circuit, equal to 12.2. But seems like he's getting a little bit better recently. Now, he's third in laps led, 403 laps led. I'm only calling that out because when I think of Texas, I don't think of Blaney leading laps, but he's led at least 20 laps in four of the last five races at this track. Now, here's a stat that really got my attention. Driver rating. In the last 10 races, his driver rating is fifth on the circuit, 104.6. When you're looking at the last six races, it bumps up to third. And then just looking at the last two races, two races in which he did not win the race, he's first in driver rating out of everyone, 127.2. That is just wild, wild. So he's getting better each time he comes here, it seems like. Um, He finished second in 2018, then had an issue. He overheated in uh, 37th place the next year, but then it's been eighth, seventh, fourth. I mean, you know, first or top five at least. Seems like it's a natural progression here. And you look at green flag speed this year. He's sixth, but he's been improving as of late at these 550 tracks, like the second half of the year, he's been standing out. So give it a look. I mean, if he kind of catches you off guard here, be calling him out like he did catch me off guard, give it another look if you don't believe me. I think plus 900 is really good value for a guy that I think could win the race and snag his way into the championship. So that's my last pick. Like I said, representing somebody from each stable, we're going with the Kyles. Kyle Larson, the favorite, plus 340. Kyle Busch, plus 700. And Ryan Blaney, plus 900 to win the race. And don't forget about those top fives for Kyle Busch and Blaney. just want to wish them a, a, a merry offseason and a happy Christmas. So now we're going to talk about some finishing position bets. And this one's kind of tough because when I first started jotting down the names of the guys that I liked, I really liked the odds that were associated with them. But uh, with these finishing position bets we've talked about in the past, the odds will change pretty quickly. So if you really like the bets, you got to put in those bets as soon as you see them, which makes it kind of tough. So I am going to talk about some guys that I was able to get a different number, but I still like them. 
you know, it doesn't change the fact that I, I don't like them. The odds just shifted uh, to become more shorter. So I can understand why people might avoid them, but we'll get into it. So first, let's start top 10 Austin Dillon. I think this is going to be a pretty trendy pick. I think a lot of guys are going to be calling him out. But um, Austin, I expected to see longer odds. He was somebody that uh, was 110 when I first looked at it. And uh, still, I, I kind of thought he might be like plus 110, maybe plus 125 to finish in the top 10. Uh, but sports books see it differently. And I think the fact that he won this race in the summer last year, like we called out, he started outside the top 20. He won that race. Um, pretty much fair and square. It wasn't really a fluky situation. He led 22 laps to win that. RCR had a great race, if you remember. Tyler Reddick in his rookie season finished second right behind him, a 1-2 finish. So, you know, they have some momentum recent at this track that they can build off of. In his last 10 races, he only has two top 10s, and his average finish is not good. 17.7. But focusing in a little bit more recent, two of his last five races were those two top 10 finishes that he had. So maybe he's figuring it out more recently. His driver rating definitely improves drastically as you get closer and closer. Uh, as a matter of fact, in the last two races, he's up to seventh on the circuit at Texas uh, in that stat. So that's definitely something you know to hang your hat on if you're RCR. This could be an opportunity for you to really do some damage and make some money you know, for your sponsors, get some airtime up front. And, you know, maybe shock some people. So looking at his green flag speed, then that's immediately where I went after I saw his stats at Texas. He's 13th in green flag speed at 550 tracks. So that's right on the cusp of that top 10. That's kind of what I'm looking for here. So I'm fine giving up minus 110 here for Austin Dillon. Uh, like I said, I think he's kind of a trendy pick because he was a past winner just last year. But I think that, you know, a, a driver like this who you know missed the playoffs and is just looking for something they are not going to go away. This is a track that they have to have circled as a company um, that they're looking to do some damage on. So Austin Dillon minus 110 for a top 10. Now we're going to stick to top 10s here, and we're going to get Kurt Busch. Kurt is minus 125, so again, shorter odds here than we would like, but he seems to absolutely love this racetrack. His average finish is fifth out of everyone. 9.5 is drive rating, sixth. Kurt has eight straight top 10 finishes. Nine of his last 10 races were top 10s. He's four for four going into the top 10, driving the one car. So the short odds, yeah, sometimes we like to find guys who are like way beyond, but because this is a mile and a half track, there's a little bit more technical. It's harder to find those, you know, diamond in the roughs, long odds for these finishing positions. So I'm kind of going with what seems to be a sure thing here. He is very solid for a top 10 at Texas. And it's not like it's you know way back, you know what I mean? Four for four in the one car, we love that. So seems very solid, and he's been driving with a purpose. I mean, he had a good finish at Talladega. He was running up front at the Roval, trying to prove something. And so I like that, you know what I mean? It's a guy who's not in the playoffs anymore, but he's still fighting, and he wants to do well. So that's interesting um, to boot, you know, to see that out of somebody, even though they're dead in the water, they're still going for it. So. Mark me down the one car of Kurt Busch, minus 125 to finish in the top 10. So now this one's a killer uh, to report on because when I got this, he was minus 110. And now as it stands, I see him at minus 170. So I'm still going to call it out because, you know, if you've got some cash, you know, minus 170 is still not too crazy. 
Um, Ricky Stenhouse Jr. to finish in the top 20. I love this bet. I love it a lot. It just makes it a little bit more scary, minus 170 than 110. His average finish is 20.0. That's right on it, right? That just kind of is like a siren calling to me, like, hey, I'm, I'm right there. His drive rating is 17th, 73.7 for Ricky Stenhouse here. That's not too shabby. He's got seven top 20s in his last 10 races at Texas. For the record, that's more than Denny Hamlin, William Byron, Kyle Larson, and a bunch of others that you might not think of. So the funny thing about Ricky is he has zero top 10s in the last 10 races. So he's consistently in the mid-teens. We talked about Chris Buescher just a week ago with similar stats. And that's why we were riding the Chris Buescher top 20 pick um, as well as head-to-head. And so looking at this year for Ricky Stenhouse Jr., green flag speed, he's 17th on the circuit in that category. So that's, you know, within the top 20. It's nothing, no red flag there, you know. That's why we look at it. So Ricky Stenhouse Jr., now minus 170. I'm still comfortable calling that out. I think that that's a a really fun bet to follow for uh, a guy who is kind of an afterthought, honestly, at this part in the season. So uh, lock me in for Ricky. And the fact that he's officially signed up now to drive next year when they're only down to one car, I know we kind of assumed it, but now it's, you know, inked up. He's got all that pressure off of him, all that, you know, business element to his weekend is complete, and uh, he can just go out and race here for the next four races. So um, lock it in, minus 170 for a top 20. So to recap, Austin Dillon, top 10, Kurt Busch, top 10, Ricky Stenthouse, top 20. Now in the bonus bet section, we will be calling out a group bet, so stay tuned for that. If it isn't my concho himself, shake it back, buddy! Shake it! Before you bake it! Here I come! Slingshot engaged! So now we'll get to some head-to-head matchups. We've been good pretty much all year. I mean, we've got four races left, and I'm pretty comfortable patting myself on the back because I feel like this has really been bread and butter. Um, if you're just taking these bets individually, we've had some parlays hit throughout the season. So um, this week... Kind of a similar situation as the finishing position bets that we just talked about because they released the odds earlier than normal, which is great. You know what I mean? I love getting them as soon as possible and kind of sinking my teeth into them, but the odds did change for some of these. So when I originally wrote them down in my notes as to you know who I liked and who I want to follow up with, um, they did change, but we're still calling them out anyway. And we're going to start with Cole Custer taking on Bubba Wallace, So Wallace is the favorite here, minus 135 to Custer's plus 110. Both of these guys are going to be fighting towards the the back of this race. Um, And that's if they don't wreck. So, you know, take that with a grain of salt. Sometimes I like betting on these guys because it makes the, when you're looking at the ticker along the left-hand side, it makes every bit of that interesting. So looking at Bubba Wallace to start, he's only been here six times. He has one top 10 finish, two top 15s. His average finish is 22.0. So like I said, I mean, these guys are going to be in the back and, you know, we'll have to see what they make of this. Now looking at Cole Custer, he's right behind him, only with two starts. Average finish is 26.5, one top 15 in those two starts. He's a much better driver rating though. In those two races, 72.1 compared to Bubba's 59.4, which I found interesting. In 2020, these were the only two races that they were on the track at the same time. Uh, They essentially swapped finishing positions, which I think is crazy. 
I don't have it jotted down, but I'm pretty sure they both finished 14th in one race last year. And then it was like 38th and 37th, like very, very interesting that they basically swapped. So because it's a small sample size with Custer and we're not really getting much from them here uh, in terms of their Texas stats, no one really takes the bull by the horns in that track. You got to go to green flag speed in 2021. And that to me is the deciding factor. Bubba Wallace is 19th on the list there. Um, in green flag speed this year at the 550 tracks. Cole Custer is 27th. Absolutely horrible. So that's a really tough look for Cole. Um, when I was originally looking at this, before I got into the head-to-heads, I was just looking at like who's good, who's not. Um, I kind of made a note mentally just to say, I got to fade Cole Custer in, in some way, shape, or form. So this is the way that I'm doing that. And it's Bubba Wallace minus 135. It's the speed this year. Like I said, that's going to put it over the top for me to go with that 23 car. Plus, they're still working off that momentum. You know what I mean? It's uh, They're still on that high of that Talladega win. So um, I think they're going to be able to beat the 41 at Texas this week. So the next one that I have here is a playoff driver versus a non-playoff driver, newly minted non-playoff driver. It's Brad Keselowski minus 130, taking on Christopher Bell plus 105. Now, Christopher Bell only has two starts here, a lot like Cole Custer. And Bell, you know, pretty two different ends of the spectrum here, hot and cold. He finished third last time we are here. So that right then and there is like, wow, he was driving the 95 car and he finished third. He also finished 21st, three laps down. So kind of, you know, like I said, two different ends of the stick. Average finish for the math whizzes out there, 12 That's good enough for ninth. So short sample size there, but it's still pretty good in the scheme of things when you're stacking it up against everybody else that's going off on Sunday. And his driver rating, this is only two races here, 78.1. That's good enough for 16th out of everyone in the last two races. So looking at Kozlowski, obviously the seasoned vet, you know, a lot more numbers to pull from here. Kozlowski in his last 10 races has one top five, four top tens. His average finish is not that good, actually. 17.8. Not what you would expect from someone at that caliber, but his driver rating is 84.5. That's ninth on the circuit. So, you know, that's a situation where the driver is not getting the finishes that they most likely deserve. And his driver rating in the last two races, kind of stacking it up uh, apples to apples for Christopher Bell. He's 89.7, so that's much, much better than Christopher Bell in those two races. He finished 6th and ninth last year in the races that Christopher Bell was also in. So in 2021, we're looking for some better info since Bell is also young, like Custer. And in the last five large oval tracks, Kozlowski is 8th in average finish. His driver inning is 89.6. Christopher Bell... Kind of um, the opposite. I mean, 18.8 average finish, 75.6. Kind of mid-pack for Christopher Bell uh, in those statistics at those tracks. So the green flag speed also favors Brad. I'm going to go with Brad Kozlowski over Christopher Bell here. I'm going to you know, bank on the fact that Christopher is kind of down in the dumps. And Kozlowski, I mean, what we've said about him all playoffs is that he's not flashy. He's not showing a ton of speed, but somehow, some way, he finds his way into these good finishes. Top five, top tens, and that's how he's been surviving in the playoffs. 
Um, so I think nothing changes. He's 16 points to the bad this time around. So I don't think they change their strategy. I think they're just going to keep doing what they've been doing, and they'll find their way into a top 10. So the question is, is Christopher Bell going to put up a top 10 finish? I don't think so. So mark me down for Brad Kozlowski, minus 130, over Christopher Bell. Now this last matchup is a wild one because when I first got it, these guys were even minus 110, and it has shifted so, so much, which really sucks. Um, but clearly, either people are betting it or the sports books just kind of realize what was going on here. This is William Byron, minus 145 against Kevin Harvick, plus 100. It's just crazy how much this has shifted because it started minus 110, then it moved to minus 130 for Byron. Now it's minus 145. There are, according to some tweets that I've seen out there, still sports books that have this lopsided the wrong way. So do your due diligence. If you have accounts at different books, take a look. I'm looking off of DraftKings. That's my kind of foundation site. And uh, right now they have William as the heavy favorite. But I'm still riding with him here. But we're going to start with Kevin Harvick because it's worth it. It is worth looking at his stats here. In his last 10 races, three wins, six top fives, nine top tens. His average finish is first compared to everyone, 5.4. Drive rating, first, 116.2. Just crazy good as far as the numbers. He has been the man at Texas, no question, no ifs, ands, or buts. We talked about how he won three of his last four playoff races at Texas. That's just crazy. But this year has clearly been different, and it has people feeling like he is not the favorite in this matchup for good reason. Now, William Byron, he does not show up on any of the top 10 lists. You know, we're looking at driver rating, average finish. He's not the guy who's going to be on those lists right now at Texas. Six career starts, 16.5 average finish. That does not speak to me as someone who's a minus 145 favorite. His best finish was in 2019. He was sixth in that race. 13th last time we were here, two career top 10s at Texas in those six starts. So then you got to look at, well, what's been going on more recently with William Byron? Well, in his last five large oval starts, he's fifth in average finish. 8.6 is the number there, and he's sixth in the driver rating category as well. So that's something that is pretty intriguing. Now, Harvick, for his benefit, he's a few spots back to Byron in both of those categories, average finish and driver rating. So clearly Byron is doing a little bit better on those types of racetracks. And green flag speed, William Byron is killing it. He's fourth compared to everyone. 5.7 is green flag speed average number there. So Harvick, just so you know the apples to apples comparison, he's ninth. But William Byron is, you know, much, much better. Um, and that goes to the whole Hendrick Motorsports thing. I mean, you got Kyle and Chase up there as well in that category. These guys just know what they're doing. Whereas Harvick, I mean, it's been well documented that they just have not found speed this year that they're used to. So Byron is plus 180 to finish in the top five. I'm all over that bet. And uh, also to win this head-to-head, minus 145 at this time. You know, keep your eye on it. Maybe it'll go back the other way because people will see the Harvick stats for Texas and think, like, you know, why is this guy underrated? I like the plus 100 number. But uh, to me, it's a matchup between history and Kevin Harvick or this year, 2021. And, and I got to go with William Byron this year, locking it in. So 
To recap, it's Bubba Wallace, minus 135 over Cole Custer, Brad Kozlowski, minus 130 over Christopher Bell, and William Byron, minus 145 over Harvick. If you put those in a parlay, which I, you know I will, uh, it's plus 420. So light it up on that one, and let's lock it in. All right, so now we're at the point of the podcast that I'm just calling this the the bonus bets, right? No rant here, no negativity. It's all positive vibes right now and this week because we've got just a bunch of cool different bets that the sports books are throwing out there, including a bet that I have been ranting about in the past in this type of uh, segment. So we are going to start with this because I guess this is breaking news. I didn't see this last week, so this looks to be the first time that I've seen it. Um, we've got finally on DraftKings an opportunity to bet who's going to win the race, a playoff driver or a non-playoff driver. I mean, round of applause. Got to love that. Phenomenal stuff there out of DraftKings. It's under their race parlay section, and it's just such common sense. Like, they should have this for every round of the playoffs, at least for the round of 12, because Talladega's in that, and that would have been awesome to see what the odds were there. But, um, hey, not going to cry over spilt milk. We got it now, and and I'm loving it. So let's look at this two different ways, right? Minus 235. If you've got the money to put that up, I feel like that's an absolute lock, right? So you throw $500 on that to win. I think it would end up being maybe like a couple hundred bucks. I mean, if you have the money to make that work for you where it would be profitable and it would be worth the while, great. You know what I mean? That, I think, is a sure thing. But this week, from my perspective, um, I as long as they offer it, I think I'm going to have some fun betting against the playoff drivers. I mean, plus 260 it is right now. Sorry, 240 right now to uh, have a non-playoff driver win. That's interesting to me. I mean, look at the, the guys who are out there right now. We talked about William Byron. We talked about Harvick's stats. I know I went on a rant about how he's not going to be that good this week, but shit. I mean, he catches something, and he pulls a little Kyle Busch, you know, breaking the, the streak to get in the win column this part of the season. That would cash in, that plus 240 non-playoff driver bet. So um, I think – for the fun aspect of it, I mean, we're going to have enough money on the guys who are in the playoffs. Plus 240, I think, to me, would be fun enough to throw a little bit of money down on that. And if you know somebody shocks the world, we get to cash in. So I'm so happy that DraftKings, at least, I don't know if this is across a bunch of different books, but I'm so happy that someone is finally listening. They're getting more and more creative. That race parlay section is so interesting to kind of look at. Now, some of the things that they have in there, like all JGR drivers finishing the top 10, all Penske drivers finishing the top 10, some of those things are, you know, very unlikely. And the odds don't match how unlikely they are. But for starters, I'm thrilled that they're getting this creative. And they even have like little fun little names next to them. Like someone at DraftKings is definitely an NASCAR fan. They're calling this bet the um, merry off-season section. So if you want to take the guys who are non-playoff drivers, it's the merry off-season bet. And if it's the playoff drivers, it's hail to the victors. So um, pretty cool. They're getting creative. And then another one under that same tab in DraftKings is you could get Kevin Harvick 
William Byron and Alex Bowman, so three non-playoff drivers for plus 600. You get all three of those guys. Um, so I guess if you wanted to break this down a little bit more, um, you're getting three non-playoff drivers, the three that have the best chance of winning, honestly, uh, for a, a better value. So maybe that's the bet. If you want to take a non-playoff driver, that's the one you would go with. But um, shit, I mean, Austin Dillon won here a year ago. It could be you know Tyler Reddick, somebody shocking the world that we're not thinking of. Christopher Bell, maybe. Um, just thinking of names out there, bigger names that you know it wouldn't be just a, a total shock to the system if they won. It'd be like, hmm, wow, they really stepped up. So that's why I like the plus 240 for all non-playoff drivers. But if you want to get a little bit more juice, a little more action, plus 600 for those three, Harvick, Byron, and Bowman. They are definitely the three that I think have the best chance of winning this race if they're not in the playoffs. So fun stuff all around. Um, Looking at the top 10 bets that I just talked about, you know, Penske all being in the top 10, that seems like a ridiculous bet. But they did in the All-Star race. (laughs) So, hey, I, I think they were all like top six or something in the all-star race now we're not trying to use the all-star race as a full-on metric that we're using but i'm just calling it out you know half the field essentially um so a lot less drivers to compete with but um they were able to do it there at texas so something to consider um the the odds don't really reflect you know something that would be that intriguing to me so I may avoid, you know, as they've been coming out with these, like all drivers of one team being in the top 10, I've been trying to follow that. And it's been really hard. Uh, We were on that in Las Vegas, I think it was, or or it was either that or Talladega. Um, We were all over that and it didn't pan out, even though it looked like a a bet that really made sense. um, That one just didn't materialize the way we thought it was going to go. So it just proves how hard it is to get all drivers from one team in to that area, but they're getting creative. I mean, you can look at team versus team, RCR versus Chip Ganassi racing. And these are interesting. I've been kind of shying away from these, but these are phrased in a way that actually kind of requires a little bit closer look because this is saying, so Richard Childress racing to have more cars finish in the top 10 than Chip Ganassi racing. Yes is minus 120. So, you know, clearly we called out a bunch, Tyler Reddick and and Austin Dillon. Yeah, they're pretty good here. Uh, But Chip Ganassi, I mean, we got Kurt Busch. Now, Ross Chastain, you know, is nothing to write home about. But the fact of the matter is, the reason I'm calling this out is because the answer that you're, you're putting in here, the bet that you're answering is, will they have more? Yes or no? If it's a push, the answer is no. And no is the underdog, plus 100. So to me, right, if none of them finish in the top 10, no is the winning bet, plus 100. So I've been kind of turned off by these originally because, like, yeah, you know what, RCR is probably going to be the, the one with more top 10s. But anything can happen. You know, somebody cuts a tire, takes himself out, and then they only got one more car left to try to top 10. Um, so I'm very interested in the no section there, kind of hoping that Kurt Busch pulls through, gets in that top 10, and uh, the RCR guys just, you know, somebody runs into trouble and it one one tie, we cash in. So that just wanted to call that out. But I just love the creativity. I love that we're able to get into more of these conversations and hoping that all of next year we're, we're talking a lot more about them as the season progresses. You know, we only really had about the last quarter of the season with these fun bets. Now, speaking of fun bets, 
I teased a group bet, and this seems to be all the rage on Twitter. Um, we had, you know, Derek sent me a text about it as well. Uh, funny, funny bet in the group section. Group F, it's the back marker bet, and it's Cody Ware plus 240, Josh Balicki plus 250, Quinn Hoff plus 280, and Timothy Hill plus 300. That is phenomenal that DraftKings took the time to take a look at those guys. And you better bet your ass that I'm going to be betting on this. I'm going with Cody Ware. I mean, he's the the favorite, I guess you could call him, uh, plus 240. But, you know, there's not many stats you can go off of here looking at these guys. You know, not all of them have stats at Texas. Um, they're green flag speeds. Not all of them have raced in every single race, so it's been um, kind of up and down. I don't even have stats on some of these guys. So the the fact of the matter is when you're just looking at the last five oval races, Cody Ware has a much better average finish than the rest of them. None of them are good, as we know. I mean, they're back markers for a reason in the 30s. But uh, Cody Ware, you know, as far as the list is concerned, he's higher up, much higher up than the other two. Or sorry, the other three. So I'm going to go with Cody Ware plus 240 in this matchup. I just can't see Josh Blicky, Quinn Hoff, and Timothy Hill doing anything. Timothy Hill, I would think, is going to be out of this race on like the fifth lap. Um, he strikes me as more of like a starting park type of guy <laughs> or wreck. Uh, so Cody Ware, I think, has the ability to hang in there the longest. But we could be looking at a, a matchup and a bet here where we're worrying about guys who are like 15 laps down. And who's going to keep coming back onto the racetrack? So mark me down for this one. I mean, this has got you know fun written all over it. So Cody Ware plus two forty, lock me in, and he seems to be the kind of perennial favorite on uh, social media as well. Now the last thing I just want to round it out with is the championship picks because um, we are now down to the round of eight, and you know the championship odds could shift depending on what we see here. So when you're looking at people like Kevin Harvick, Danny Hamlin, Martin Truex, I, I think we've kind of missed the boat on those guys unless something detrimental happens to them in the, the first two races. Um, like we saw with Chase last year, Martinsville, his odds were crazy. And we will come back to this at Martinsville to see you know what we're looking at. Uh, but I think at the moment, there are no bets. You don't want to make those bets because when we get to Phoenix, assuming those guys are in, you're going to have a chance to bet on them at probably a better value uh, to win the race there than you're getting right now to win the championship. So for those guys, I would hold off. Um, I don't mean to consistently talk about Ryan Blaney here, but he was plus 1,400 a week ago, and now he's plus 700. I think the books are onto something. I think if we're right about him uh, doing well at Texas, and if he wins the whole thing, boom, he's in. And then all of a sudden, you're not going to see him at plus 700 anymore. So I like you know the guys further down in the pack. That's where you can find value. Either you're a fan of them, or you see something in them. You know Chase Elliott's plus 550. That I think is you know a, a pretty decent bet uh, because of how good he's been at 550 tracks and the fact that he can get it done at Martinsville. So um, that could be interesting. The furthest one back is Kozlowski. So I'm a huge fan. Looking at the MLB playoffs, for example, let's let's put a little uh, apples to apples here. Atlanta Braves. You know, I'm a Phillies fan, and obviously don't like the Braves. But they were going into the playoffs plus 1100 to win the World Series. By far, you know, the furthest back in the NL. And I'm looking at that number like, why are they so poor? You know what I mean? Why plus 1100? I've seen so much of the goddamn Braves this year that they are a good baseball team. 
Um, so I threw some money on them just because they were the furthest back. Well, Kislowski's plus 2,500, by far the, the furthest one back. And kind of like what we talked about in the head-to-head matchup, he just somehow is consistently finding his way in. It might not be enough to point his way in, so he might have to show some speed. Um, so, you know, maybe wait till Martinsville or something like that. But uh, why the hell not? You know what I mean? He's such a far underdog uh, that it, it's just intriguing to me that, you know, he steals one and then boom, you're not going to get those odds. And then it's just a one race showdown. So, not saying that Kozlowski is is good this season or that he's shown a lot of speed that's worth that bet, but it's more of like a because he's so far down the list, it makes me want to kind of buck the, the trend. So um, just throwing that out there, not really making any picks. I guess I, I did call out Blaney there, but um, just making you aware that, you know, if you do like some of the guys who are further down, uh, now's your chance because if they do well, then – you're not going to get these odds throughout the rest of the year. So fun bets here. I love what we're seeing. Positive momentum. Like I said, no negativity this week. And uh, that's where we want to be. We want to make this Texas race as fun as it can possibly be. So there are opportunities out there for you to do that on the sports book. So if you don't get in on it, that's on you, man. I mean, we're, we're going to have some fun at Texas despite the racetrack. Well, that'll do it for another episode of the Full Tank with Phil podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Let's make this race as fun as it can possibly be and make some money in the process. We've got some really good bets that we called out. So I hope we all make some money this weekend as we're watching this race and making it fun along the way. You only got a few races left, so we'll catch you next week for Kansas. And remember, drive fast, take chances, and we'll see you next time. Have no place to go. Have no place to go. Have no place to go. Have no place to go.